I'm Tony Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. I really don't want to do this episode. Yes, you do. And Andre to the fifth element. Oh, the fifth element here, Bobby's knowledge. <laughs> I feel like Bobby Fisher always full moves ahead of my competition. Listen, they ain't gonna stop me ever. I feel as large as Biggie. Swear it could not get better. <laughs> I feel in charge like Biggie. Wearing that Cosby sweater. Cosby sweater. Wearing that Cosby sweater. <laughs> Straight there. <laughs> 90 million plays on Spotify. Oh, Fucking dear. love it. Give or take. It's absolute just greatness. Absolute I'm 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 hyped for this episode. I'm 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 actually hyped. This is this is this is fuel for me. This is great. This is oh, this is what is nightmare fuel for what is nightmare fuel for Ben is 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 crack to me. Okay? <laughs> Hi Ben. How's your week been? And what have you been listening to this week? You sound like every like cartoon Australian character in an American show. Like they all sound exactly that way. You sound like <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, anyway, this week let's start off with the let's start off with the good, and then we'll uh, get to the get to the bad. JID, uh, the Forever Story. I don't have enough superlatives to describe this record. You know, this is the best first listening experience I've had all year. Uh, I think we all knew that JID had a piece of art within him like this. You know, he was capable of expanding on DiCaprio too, which is an incredibly listenable and technically adept record. But on the Forever Story, its songwriting, I think, has ascended to a whole other level. You know, Crack Sandwich is a great example. Two verses of uh, highly socially conscious content before tying it up with a vibrant storytelling verse. But as if to prove it's not just observational ability, we get a lot of emotional content on tracks like Better Days, uh, something that we see in snippets on this record uh, throughout the whole track list, usually dispersed between exasperation at systemic oppression and the hypocrisy of those who uphold it. Uh, that's a huge theme. That's a huge... Uh, Charlie was saying in, in a voice message he left me that there wasn't, uh, they, he wasn't sure what the through line was. I don't know that there is a through line necessarily. I think it's J.I.D. just venting a lot of the time, but his venting is incredible. You know, there's some really deep content on here. The production is A1 as well. It never feels like it does too much. It never feels overdone, but it's still grand enough in scope for an album of this conceptual magnitude. You get true beauty on here. That bass line on Can't Punk Me is stunning. Uh, the Money Beat, I really love that. It has such an off-kilter flow to it. Radar is the perfect opening to, to tr- opening track for this record. Like it's It just hits you in the face immediately. The guests all skate on here. Little, Lil Wayne was great. Uh, Kenny Mason's incredible. 21 Savage was good. Yassine Bey was beautiful. Uh, incredible. I was about to tweet out, oh, it's so nice to hear Yassine Bey in 2022. And then I remembered that they dropped that project and I'd never listened to it. So I didn't tweet that because it's like, well, I look like an idiot if I say that. But look, man, no one no one outshines uh, JID on here. He holds court. He's peerless on this record. He's fully inhabited his potential. I can't tell you a better rap album than this in 2022. You know, I've listened to it five or six times now, seven or eight maybe. Um, and I'm sure it'll, it'll change. Like my opinion on it will change as... 
I've I've grown to like it's almost drive. I push a T more and more, for example, same with Mr. Morale. But I'm not gonna put anything else above it right now. I, I just think this is this beautiful, this record. Then we've got DJ Carlin. God did. You know the thing about Carlin is <laughs> the thing about Carlin. You just clipped that, you cut that right off. The thing about Carlin is he should never ever drop mid because these the thing about it, these are tap-ins, okay? He's not as brave as Calvin Harris. Uh, Calvin Harris, at least, even though his music has been trash on Funkwave 2 and everything other than Funkwave 1, at least he tried to put these artists on... Yeah, well, we know we know that we're a bit divergent on that. We're a little bit divergent on chat, that. But the thing is, Calvin Harris tried something different with those artists. You know, he put them on instrumentals that they're not accustomed to. DJ Khaled's never doing that. He's not trying to bring artists together and, and you know, create this weird melting. He's just trying to either make pop songs or he's trying to make the best song that artist is capable of. But he's been incapable of doing that his whole career thus far, apart from a couple of times. You know, there's a couple of anthems in his back catalog. But on this album, he finally, finally allows these artists to just rap on the kind of beats they normally rap on. And it's good, like it's semi-decent, you know. I think the Jay-Z verse is good. It's really good. I don't think it's his best verse ever. I mean, that's... Verse of the year, verse of the not, century. What, just because he goes in for three and a half mil, nearly four minutes, you know, it's it's a it's a really good verse, but it's it's not the best verse of Jay-Z's career or the year. I think the Jadakiss interlude uh, was supremely unfair on Jadakiss because he, he basically kneecapped him by playing that versus clip which is gonna become one of the most iconic clips in hip hop history. Uh, and then New York cuts in by Ja Rule, obviously, with Jadakiss at the verses, just going crazy over the top of it with those wild synths. And then we get the the actual track is such a random left turn. It's so jarring. Uh, and I think that that's exactly what's wrong with most of what Carla does. It just, a lot of the time it doesn't make sense. The other misstep on here is he used this gospel remix, which is again, a perfect example. What did he do on his last album where he flipped that Outkast song with Scissor? He, 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 no, I don't understand. Oh. Bro, he did the same here with Use This Gospel. I know he didn't do the remix. I know that Dr. Dre, I think that Dr. Dre produced it, but the beat sounds like a 12 year old wanting to produce dubstep on Fruity Loops. And instead of the clips, instead of the clips, we get Eminem with the lawnmower flow and we get bars like, so these demons better step like a stair. And I'm armed with Jesus, my weapon is prayer. As soon as I squeezed it, I'm blessed like sneezes. Oh, come that sound, on. That's, that sounds like what people think NFs like, would sound like. Oh. If they've, ne- if they've never heard NF, that's, like, that's, what, that's what NF sound like, right? Oh, bro, I can't. I just, I just... I can't, like, I just tweeted out rap, the, the ages of different rappers, and I didn't put Eminem on the list because I said all of them were at the pinnacle of their class, of their craft, sorry. And people are upset at me because I didn't put Eminem. Bro, he says, these demons better step like a stair. <laughs> but look, man, you know, apart from that, apart from those missteps, it's a good record. You know, City Girls and Lardo was fire. Uh, Lil Durk 21 Savage Roddy track was fire. The Juice track is good. Um, but again, Juice said some stuff on that track that these are unreleased verses, remember. You know, Juice didn't put these songs out. So there's some things that he said on that track that were a little bit like, I'm listening to it, I'm like, mm, I don't know if he'd really want that out in the world. Like, a, 
you know, I, that, that gives me a weird taste in my mouth. And someone tweeted and said that the only reason Khaled put him on this album was because he shouts out Khaled's name at the start. And I think that's probably only why. Like, DJ Khaled once reposted a King Wow tweet on his Instagram that was critical of DJ Khaled, and he thought oh, it yeah. was... I saw that. Bro, I saw that. this man has no self-awareness whatsoever. It's, it's, it's funny. Um, then we got Rock Marciano and Alchemist, uh, Alpha Man's yeah, let Bones. Me know. Let me know, let me know. You don't. You didn't listen. Nah, I'm not a rock dude, man. Just really? Oh man, interesting. Yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, I think that uh, the the track that really hit it home for me with Rock Marciano was the one with Action Bronson because Bronson on a Alchemist beat is just gonna change the world. <laughs> you know, he's gonna say some stuff. And the thing is. Action Bronson was the final verse on that track, so Rock Marciano had to be like, well, I'm going to have to do something on here because Action Bronson is going to clean this up. And he did. There's some great bars in there, some great verses. So I really enjoyed that. I I think it's, you know, Rock Marciano, I'm not going to put him on the same level as like Mark Homme, for example, but uh, I think he's just one touch below or Benny or, you know, Conway. But he makes really consistent music and over the top of Alchemist production, he sounds great. Uh, that does get me to Mark Homme, who put out Dollar Menu 4, uh, the God Fahim is all over this record. And, you know, the thing about it is, like, he doesn't put up the features. So it's obviously a collab album because, you know, the God Fahim is everywhere. There's Your Old Droog on here as well, which is really nice. And with Mark Homme, he he only pops up every now and then to drop a verse or a couple of bars. And it actually works really well because he's just such a, he's such a high art rapper. You're just waiting for that verse to come in. And when it comes in, you're like, oh, wow, this is special. And then it goes away. And then you don't hear him for five or six minutes. Then he comes back again. You're like, man, this is special. It's it's fascinating. I mean, I know that he does the scarcity model with uh, releasing physical copies. So he knows what he's doing. And it works. I, I don't know many other artists that do it that way. So shout out to him on that. Uh, and I think that was it that I got to this week. I'm just looking at the releases. I haven't fully listened to the Michi Darko album. I really want to because that sounded good. Real Boston Richie dropped a project and that looks good too. I want to listen to that. And Nick Caution dropped one I want to listen to as well. But yeah, that was me. That was me, Charlie. What about yourself? Yeah, so I started off with um, Rapper Big Poo. Uh, to oh, Dream yeah. in Colour. Um, so I saw um, last last Tuesday, so last episode dropped, I saw uh, Apollo Brown. Um, at the Jazz Cafe, along with rapper Big Poo, uh, Gilly Simpson, and also Sky Zoo, um, who actually said uh, it was like the f- he, he he touched the he touched the Jazz Cafe floor as if it was like Madison Square Garden. He <laughs> was like, I've been trying to get here for fifteen years, and I'm just like, how the, who the fuck didn't didn't think? Hmm, let's get the guy who does jazz rap better than most people. So it's like okay, but he was there, and it was uh, entertaining, and. Uh, Rapper Big Poo dropped this album not on like it during the past week, but not on Friday. Dropped it, I, I assume, on Monday or Sunday. But like, um, yeah, he was like, "Has anyone spun it?" And I was like, <laughs> went over my fucking head. I was like, "Okay." Um, I actually haven't listened to uh, I think an independent uh, a solo Big Poo project um, until now. Mm-hmm, um, I've always obviously just you know most people like most people just probably listen to Little Brother. But this is actually really good. Um, it's uh, it's twenty nine minutes, ten songs, so it's, you know, short and sweet. Um, but it's really, really sensitive. It's really vulnerable. It's got some really good beats, amazing storytelling, and it's just refreshing actually listening to him um, talking about the subject matter. And it just comes off as really personable. And um, I feel like it's one of those records where it's like. Uh, if I died now, this record would be the last thing, and I'm happy with that. You know, what I mean, it's kind of one of those. 
not last testimony albums, but it's just it just it gives off that feeling. It's just like if he if he if he died tomorrow, this would be his last project, and it'll be on a very good high because he's the the subject matter is just really really um, just deep, and uh, even by the title Mother's Day, Broken Dreams, uh, Thoughts and Prayers, Dreaming in Colors, just. It's just some really good stuff um, all over the place. So um, shout out to Rapid People on that. Really impressed by that one. Uh, Mystic Dreaming in Cursive, The Girl Who Loved Sparklers. Um, so she's affiliated. I'm just going to say affiliated as a general term because uh, I don't know how to ask to specifically put it. But she's affiliated with uh, Digital Underground. Um, and uh, basically just, you know, born and bred in Oakland, California. Um, but her music is just so it's just so soulful um and it's really beautiful to listen i was listening to on the on the on the way i think on the way to the uh <laughs> uh, uh to uh to london uh, i don't know if it was friday yeah it probably was friday actually and um yeah i was just really really fucking with it it was just really some great stuff all over the place uh, 14 tracks 38 minutes um there's a lot of brackets all over the place um literally every track uh, has a brackets in it uh butter green light breathe interlude couple of a lot of interludes um but the tracks themselves are just really wonderful great poetry she does a lot of spoken word here as well um it's just a really really nice uh r&b fused with i don't know just poetry i guess um I can't tell you how to explain it, but this is a really, really heartfelt project, and it's uh, it's really, it's really warm. So like, it's giving you a hug as you listen to it. It's, it's definitely one of those. Um, so yeah, shout out to Mystic on that. I actually really, really enjoyed that. Uh, then I got into some. Oh yeah, Jid. All right, favorite story. Yeah. So, um, yes, it's. Uh, I, I think. I think it, it it took me a while to get into the actual album itself. I feel like the first few tracks, I was kind of just like, going, okay, it's fine, it's cool. Um, uh, and then it got to maybe like Crack Sandwich, and I was like, oh, okay, that's decent. Mm. And then like uh, Surround Sound, I liked uh, Twenty One on that. Mm. Um, and I love the I love the final like third from Jid. Like he just fucking went off on that, and the beat switch was crazy. I really enjoyed that. Um, and then it got to obviously Brudenem. Which um mm. I I it was it it made me laugh uh, initially and probably still would if I listened to it uh how he just says it like, bring it in, bring it, in. it just it just made me laugh um but apparently according to Tyler um shout out to Tyler um he's uh, he's apparently a uh, it's, it's, it's 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 an Atlanta thing to say it like that so uh, I'll 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 uh I'll take that on the chin in some ways um but yeah once it got to brother them sister them especially jesus christ as a track and a half mm. um it, it just it just it got better for me yeah. personally yeah. It, it, it took a, it took a, it took a few tracks for me to get into it um but yeah once it got to the brother them sister them it just it was smooth sailing from that from then on um and really th- really thoroughly enjoyed it so yeah man really really solid project um shout out to jill on that front uh verbs and mr slips uh, where it started um, so this is kind of one of those. <laughs> I I don't know whether I cast it as an album or not because it's it's five tracks, so it's an EP, right? But it also has five tracks of instrumentals, which is just the tracks again, but instrumental versions. So take that what you will. I don't. I if it was on my e, if it was an EP, I put it on my EP list. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's ten tracks, twenty seven minutes if you include the instrumentals. Um, but yeah, he they did a they did a project I think last year or two years ago, 
And uh, I remember really enjoying that radio waves. Yeah, back in 2020, I remember that during like pandemic times, and that was a really good project. And yeah, this one's good as well. Uh, I really like Verbs. Is uh, just lyricism on here. Uh, really underrated British MC, uh, Mr. Slips. Really good hip hop. Just general, you know, solid British hip hop. Um, firmly in that uh, class of you know like the Four Hours, Ocean Wisdom, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, anything from High Focus Records, to be honest, which is which this is also from. And uh, yeah, it's just. Yeah, if you if you like some British hip hop, like I feel like you probably have already spun this, and uh, yeah, it's really good stuff. Uh, Michi Darko, uh, Gothic Luxury. Um, so I feel a bit kind of I don't know. It feels a bit weird to me listening to this because I was like, okay, I was listening to it, and I was like, okay, this is fine, but I'm kind of wondering what the what the USP is here, apart from the fact that his voice is just unmistakable right you know he comes and he comes under that you know grizzly uh dmx two-pack when he's pissed off kind of kind of element and you know that's why most people rate him i assume because that's how i that's why i rate him um but you know it's it's, it's cool start off nice with a you know that cursed with kirk knight and vita that was really good um get little dry die trying i enjoyed uh, the MOMA with uh, Black Thought, he just went off on that. Uh, Lost Souls with Denzel and Buster Rhymes, really good. Um, but yeah, past that, I don't know. I don't, I just don't really, I don't really know what the USP is here. Um, I don't. I, I, the production was fine, didn't really blow me away. Um, and you know, lyrically there was some, there was some gems here and there. But you know, again, I, I feel like it was just okay. Um, so yeah, I just, I, I just wonder what people uh that are fans of michi darko why are they fans of michi darko you know what i mean because i get why flatbush zombies was so good because i enjoyed flatbush zombies when they were popping um but i'm just trying i'm just trying to see what the what's the essence here what's the reasoning for me to listen to more michi darko past this to be honest um i just asked that question to myself but uh, i don't know mate I'm, I'm sure i'm sure many people were will enjoy it if they spun it um has that you know very it's very dark in some ways, um, obviously, uh, judging by the album cover. But yeah, I don't know. I just don't know past the voice what is really special about it. You know what I mean? So and and it's good features, so I, I'll take that. But uh, yeah, and lastly, uh, a double dip of uh, Bishop Nehru, uh, Heron Addiction, and also Neruvian Tuesdays mm. Volume Two. I'll start off with Heron Addiction. What's going on which... here with Bishop Nehru, man? <laughs> I I don't you you be for Bishop Nehru or what? Like I feel like uh, nah, when you that... did the MF Doom and uh, you didn't really rate the Neruvian Doom uh, project. I feel like it was like, just so. that video that he put out with him like yeah, literally yeah. doing so, heroin. It was weird. Yes. So if you guys haven't spun that, um, he literally is just a music video of Bishop Nehru doing heroin allegedly. Um, you know, and uh, going through the effects of it and the withdrawals from it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and yeah, basically the album is <laughs> literally just 25, 30 minutes of that. Um, it's, it's so, it's the most claustrophobic album I've ever listened, I've, I've listened to this year. Um, it's just really, <laughs> it's just really claustrophobic. I was just listening to it feeling weird. Um, the last few tracks are just very dark. He's just literally just going like, I want to die basically. Just a lot of suicide talk. And I'm just like... Okay, bro. Um, I don't know how deep. <laughs> it's like it, okay, literally, it's called. Uh, the last two track is. Is it okay if I want to die and goodbye? And it's just that. And 
I, yeah, I, it's just really, yeah, I, it's really dark. It's really claustrophobic, and you know, I, I, I've, I, I've enjoyed albums of that nature, right? I remember the American Negro from, um, from uh, Adrian Young last year. That was claustrophobic in some ways, but because of that jazz element that he has and the and the and the backing singers he had there, you know, there was some there was some light to it. You know what I mean? Even though he was talking about heavy subjects most of the time, but this is just constant darkness. It's like it's just staring into the into the abyss. Um, so yeah, man, I I feel like uh, this would resonate with people that have come out of the heroin uh, abyss. Um, but yeah, it's just really kind of scary looking at it. I guess respect to Bishop Nuri for actually, yeah, you know, um, for, sure. for for encapsulating that feeling. Yeah. Um, because it feels very legitimate to me um, when listening to it. That's um, powerful. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that the crazy. I thought the heroin thing was just a gimmick. Like I thought that was like the first yeah. time I, he'd done it. But obviously uh, he's. If it was he's... just a track, yeah. If it was just that one track, then sure. Wow. But okay. It's it's thirty minutes of it, bro. Oh <laughs> man. Just, that sucks. And a suicide talk at the end of it is just yeah, it's just wow. really dark. <laughs> so yeah, if you're, if you're not in that if you're not in that headspace to uh, take that kind of shit, I mean shit, yeah, I mean don't bother because yeah, that can send you if uh, if you weren't uh, uh you know mentally strong on that front. But anyway, Nerovian Tuesdays Volume Two is uh, much more lighter, um, but still has that I guess a uh, dark streak that Bishop Nuru kind of has. Um, if Russia invading Ukraine is an interesting title. Um, there's one track I didn't. I was I wasn't looking at the track list while I was listening to it, but there was one track where he was sampling the theme song of The Office. Um, so there's that. Um, that was that was kind of cool um, as a track itself, and also um, um, bye oh bye. Like he had that as well uh, sampled and put like a track beat on that. Um, so yeah, it's um it's fine. It's cool. It's a good. It's a it's a good. Uh, it's a good project. Um, you know, not as uh, arresting as, as the other one. A little bit longer at 32 minutes and 11 songs. But yes, uh, it's a solid project. So shout out to Bishop Nuru. How about I said, we should hop into our topic of this episode, which is Ben's request, just for the record. Um, but I feel like I'm going to enjoy it more than him. Uh, we are covering our first and probably last uh, Australian uh, uh, act, which is uh, Hilltop Hoods, uh, which according to Ben is the most popular hip-hop group in Australia. In this century, where do you want to go, Ben? Let's get it started. <sighs> Let's get it started. It's it's a little bit like that, actually. It's a little, but we didn't, you know, we, <laughs> we kind of knew this one was heading in that direction. That was the rhetoric before the episode even began. We knew that. Uh, all right, look, man. Let's get into it. Hilltop Hoods, by far the most popular Australian hip-hop act of all time. No even solo rapper comes close, except for, of course, Iggy Azalea. But that's that's a whole other episode. We're talking about we're talking about artists who plied their trade in Australia, homegrown artists who blew up in Australia. No one has ever done it on the level that Hilltop Hoods did. Uh, we obviously have Genesis Owusu and, and TK Mindser, but you know, Hilltop Hoods are on another level. They paved a path to festival stages for a genre in this country that has languished at the very least a decade behind America in sound and style and lacks any cohesive originality or concept. You know, whilst the UK, New Zealand, Europe, South America, so many other places around the world have put their own spin on hip hop and turned it into a movement, Australia has had really nothing until very recently, uh, unfortunately. So the point of this episode is not to make some grand statement that the Hilltop Hoods are the creators of culture in Australia. They are most certainly not. And their influence is purely commercial. There's no artistic way that they've pushed the sound forward down here. And that will become vibrantly apparent as the episode progresses. 
They became the first homegrown hip-hop act to top our version of the Billboard 200, the ARIA album chart. They were first Australian hip-hop act to regularly pop up on festival stages as headliners, and they've become festival juggernauts, again, paving the way for other Australian hip-hop acts to push into that lane. And I spoke to someone recently who knows a lot about their journey, and they said that the Hilltop Hoods taught Australian hip-hop artists how to make millions of dollars in an industry where hip-hop acts were making thousands of dollars at best. So the question is, obviously, how did they do it? Um, you know, look, this can't be an episode just about Australian hip-hop in general because it would be devoid of anything but drinking in the sun and how toxic it was growing up in a city suburb in Australia in the 90s and 2000s. You know, the hoods are not the place for us to have that discussion. Uh, instead, let's focus on what it took, and it's very simple. It, we don't really need a huge origin story here because I, I, I don't think most of our listeners are hardcore Hilltop Hoods fans, desperate for my 20 hours of research combing through old interviews looking for backstories. Uh, you know... You, know, you, you kind of want to know if being a hip-hop artist is even viable in Australia and how commercial success across genres down under has traditionally required or what it has traditionally required. And it's only one thing in this country, and that's really hard work. Every single famous act who made their name in Australia pre-2015 had one thing in common. They toured incessantly, you know, in shitty pubs to shitty crowds with shitty free magazines reviewing them. Uh, handing out crappy copies of poorly mixed CDs and building a legion of fans around you, um, because like you know, this is this is this is like grassroots movement. Our country is very vast, you know, but it's also sparsely populated. There's really no incentive for major labels to pluck promising acts with no experience from obscurity and give them a huge budget because, and this is the reason. CD and single sales are always going to pale in comparison to other countries. And because marketing budgets still need to be massive because of how vast our country is, it's really impossible to make meaningful money off physical sales in Australia. So the focus has always been on touring and merchandise. And obviously, if no one has ever heard you before, they're not going to pay $120 to come see you in an arena. And even if they did, there's really only one arena per city and really only five big cities or cities big enough to have those arenas. So your career is basically dead before it begins. And every Australian act knows this. Hilltop Hoods knows this. So they have just basically toured their way to where they are now. And, you know, I watched an interview with uh, Reflux, who's a DJ. I think he's a DJ. And he detailed their earning path, and it said it relied heavily just on paying, you know, local pubs and clubs to a handful of people at a time, slowly building that buzz and devoted following. The positive side of the challenges of growing up as a hip-hop act in Australia is how territorial fans can be about their favorite artists because there's such a lack of them. You know, one of my favorite rappers of all time, Lee Monroe, uh, he was from the same suburb I lived in and I was a devoted follower of his from the age of about 14 because he was from Western Sydney like me. And Hilltop Hoods found this devoted following in their pocket of Adelaide. So I'm not gonna, as I say, I'm not gonna go through their back history. It just doesn't matter that much. But they dropped their debut album, A Matter of Time, in 1999. And Suffer said they were so broke. Uh, by the way, by the way, their names are DJ Debris, Suffer, and Pressure. So Suffer with an A. Yes, <laughs> Suffer with an A. Suffer. Yeah, right. Suffer. 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 Suffer said they were so broke they had to take out a bank loan to finance the making of the album, and they relied heavily on a local government grant for its promotion, basically. So basically this grant, that's how I used to talk, by the way. I changed my accent significantly. 
but uh you know basically they just got ads and flies in the local paper and the album did pretty well you know well enough for them to earn sufficient money to record their second but in interviews they're very very keen to distance themselves from this record the record is available for free download off their website but it doesn't appear on spotify because according to them it's shit and they're not wrong it's garbage the one shining light on this project is the production, which is handled by DJ Debris and Suffer. Now, I went through Discogs and I had a look at the credits. They did have another DJ, DJ Next, in the group. He was a founding member. Now, DJ Next actually left after this album and DJ Debris came in full time. But DJ Debris is listed as producing half of this record on Discogs. So I'm not really sure what happened there. But the production has a really warm throwback vibe. You know, it kind of feels like I'm listening to something from the late 80s. The exception is obviously the truly woeful clap your hands to the which is a beatboxed instrumental with some horrible bars horrible bars and the thing about it is on this on the subject of bars i can see why they'd be they prefer if this album did not make it onto spotify they would they were 21 when this album dropped okay they were 21 they weren't 14 some of these bars sound like they're in the schoolyard when we were 14 on the title track pressure decides to make fun of people with anorexia and just to top it off people with epilepsy and the bar about epilepsy doesn't even make sense. Like, it's disrespectful as fuck, and it doesn't make medical sense. So anyway, then we get some weird bars making light of self-harm on the track 1979 from Suffer. Some more crass lyrics from Suffer on the anthem about HIV. There's homophobia on here, and they dedicate a staggering 28% of their lyrics to bashing major labels and commercial success, which is going to be very, very fascinating when we get into, you know, a couple of albums in, and all of a sudden, they're making pop rap. But anyway, the rest of the album, and, you know, I mean pretty much all of it, is just bragging, you know, challenging MCs to step to them, and then spitting woeful bars that make no sense or land horribly, and it reminded me way too much of growing up in Western Sydney you know these were the kinds of insults we'd throw at each other but by the age of 21 I was well past the vast majority of the things that Suffer and Pressure decided to lace their bars with on this record not all of course but at the same time I wasn't an MC trying to release music for public consumption Uh, I can hardly blame them for wanting to keep it hidden but I will shoot at some bail because when you're just a couple of young broke adults with nothing to lose surrounded by toxic masculinity and childish insults there's probably no real risk in dropping something like this. I don't think they ever assumed that they'd be playing festivals in seven or eight years' time. I don't think they ever assumed that they'd be multi-millionaires. You know, uh, it's gonna it's gonna appeal to the M- the Australian version of Eminem fans in 2022, for example. You know, like childish, immature, misogynistic. Um, you know, the Hilltop Hoods have definitely progressed conceptually from this by a country mile. This is very low tier music and i kind of toed and froed about how hard to hammer them about this album i think the thing that made me go in on it so hard was even in their next few albums these themes and really problematic content doesn't fully go away and that's the thing with this kind of content it either fully leaves you when you realize that's not the person you want to be or it doesn't and if there is even a hint of it still in your vocabulary it hasn't left you yet. So yes, they were 21 when this album dropped, but this kind of content does continue for the next seven years, you know? So that's their, that's their debut album, Charlie. Jump into their second album. Oh, no. I'm so keen. What happened? Uh, I'm just, um, I think, uh, I think our, our wires have crossed. Oh, no. So you, you, gave, you gave me the four. You gave me the four. Uh, okay. Oh, you listen to the same I listen to. Yeah. Look, 
keep this in because it does not matter, Charlie. It doesn't matter in the slightest. I guarantee oh, no, you. No, can't do that. We I've, can't say that. No, I've listened. I've listened to all their albums. I've li- I listened to all their okay. albums. So I'm. I've got content on all their albums. But seriously, you can. It. It doesn't matter. Cut. Cut and paste. It's the same shit. It's the same shit over and over again. It's just no different. Oh, no, because I feel bad. Because I feel like so. So, ladies and gentlemen, for those who don't know, like usually um, when we split when we split between each other, um, so like you know, for example, Mary J. Blige or Ella Cool J, we usually just give each other um, one of us just you know takes certain you know just this this and this and this and we alternate. Uh, ben did give a list, but I thought that was the ones he was going to take, not the ones he's giving me. Um, so that's where our bias across. But I don't know. I just feel bad because you know, even even if it's probably not worth it. Um, I just, I just, I just feel bad not being completionist about it, but uh, yeah, um, I want, I do want to echo on the first album. It's just, it is interesting. I think about the 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 arc for me personally is just um, not pertain to the content uh, because I felt like you had that on tap anyway. But I was just, I was, honestly, honestly, um, apart from the um, just, I, I don't know what it is about the uh, Adelaidean uh, accent. But um, it's it just doesn't work for me when it comes to rap. Um, <clears throat> but honestly, bro, they kind of just they just, they kind of just rap like just 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 white dudes, man, and and it kind of it kind of uh, uh locks in why I I rarely uh listen to rappers that just happen to be white, honestly, because uh, I feel like this is this just a similar stuff. I feel like maybe I don't, maybe, you know, in terms of the problematic uh, lyrics that come through that you mentioned uh, or didn't mention for, for obvious reasons, uh, you know, past that, I just feel like there's a lot of uh, hip-hop acts, even here, bro, that just, like, give off this vibe of, yeah, decent production, um, but, you know, lyrics aren't anything to write home about, you know what I mean? So I, I, I just feel like I'm listening to... Uh, uh, a, a, a white UK hip hop act, um, generic white UK hip hop act, um, but H. Uh, with with decent with decent production, and that's pretty much it. Because honestly, bro, I think like the the you know sampling, the scratching especially is yeah. it's actually really nice. Yeah. It's actually fine to have in the background, believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> when I when I actually tried to listen to the lyrics, I was just like, I'm good because it's just a I don't know, man. It's just a lot of, uh, I don't know. It kind of just gives off this. Uh, uh, I'm resilient. It's uh, okay. Like com- like common, common, uh, common streets was uh, uh, interested me a lot. As a side, pressure goes like, now if my flesh is weak, my passion is my is my shield, and my strength is my speech, in which I'll make men yield. It's just, all right, bro. Like, <laughs> it's it's like it's like it's like. It's like B Tech, it's liquid sword. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's like, it's like, it's like, yeah, I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not athletic. It's not athletic at all. It's just like, oh, I will slay my enemies with, uh, with, with my words. It's like, okay, bro. <laughs> yep, that's pretty much the rest of their content. I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's all right, let's pretty... the episode. <laughs> I mean, there we look. We get their second record, and obviously in the interim, DJ Next left the group, was placed full-time by DJ Debris. Uh, now there's more insensitivity on this record, despite the fact their lyrics have developed slightly. Um, on the title track, Suffer opens with, When I lay down to sleep, I turn to a deep thinker. 
don't want to be a whinge, like a lonely binge drinker. Like, in the same verse, he makes fun of the Nicky Lauda F1 incident in which Nicky was engulfed what? in... F- yeah, it's, it's, he he just uses it as <laughs> a... Okay, this is going to... This is going to be a theme. No, this is going to be a theme. You're going to. This is going to be a theme as we progress. It's. It's very fascinating. I. I don't understand. They seem to have some sort of fetish with the death and pain of other people, or assigning them skill. Well, the others. The other. The other theme is they assign themselves skills and traits that have no basis in fact. For example, you know, just weird things like on a mortal MC, Suffer claims he has more soul than Mini Ripperton. Before pressure decides to make pun- fun of paraplegics on another world, oh, come on, come on. Let's, he let's says, be let's, be, "Let's be honest. Let's be honest. If if, if Action Bronson said that, we'd we'd laugh." Yeah, but it's uh, yeah, it's Action Bronson. I don't think Action Bronson would say that. I don't. I, I thought he says about a lot it. Of things, bro. <laughs> no, no, no. I thought about it. I thought about it. Mac Miller said some stuff, uh, but I don't think Action Bronson would say something like that. I don't. I don't, I don't know. I just don't think it's just so because it's so jarring. It's they're not funny. These bars, you're not laughing. Sure. You know when Max said stuff like that, you were fucking laughing the whole way through because it's so outlandish. But these aren't funny. These are these are bars that are they're they're serious. They're saying that I'm better than you. Like I have more soul than Mini Ripperton. Like you can't step to me. You know what I'm saying? It's not it's not a punchline. Sure. It's not the middle of a funny verse. It's it, you know, and then pressure making fun of paraplegic, saying that his opposition isn't even half stepping. They're more like a paraplegic. You know what I mean? They're not. These aren't jokes. These are. Yeah, I, I thought that was going to be a big Daddy Kane reference, and then it was like, okay, <laughs> it's a paraplegic reference. It's terrible. It's like, I mean, no. <laughs> this this is the thing. The shock rap can absolutely work, but this is not shock rap. These bars aren't designed to make you think, "Wow, he really yeah. went." Yeah, most of these are punchlines yeah. and references at the end of some sort of brag, saying you're better than someone else. And you know, look on this record, they have changed. They've they've grown. What the season change is an example of one of the hoods' unique qualities. You know, especially pressure. Pressure is by far the better MC by a country mile. And, you know, this track is about someone careening down a really dark path because they're ill-equipped to handle the emotional turmoil of losing a job and losing your partner. And obviously from that spawns some awful behavior, lands a man in prison, and pressure delivers a really sobering fourth verse. And then the chorus is insightful. He says, no matter your status, fact is we we all been humbled. No matter what the foundation, all solid things can crumble. No matter the strength or length, something sustained, it never stays the same. Seasons change. I think that that was a really nice end to the song. Like, I thought that that was a really good song. So they have progressed by this album, but... Yeah, then we get the the third album, The Calling, if you want to talk about it, Charlie. Yes, so um, <laughs> uh, apparently uh, this track, The Nosebleed Section. Oh, yes, this is the song. Was the breakthrough hit? This is the song. Okay. I remember. The song of Ben's youth. Oh, yeah. Uh, the, the Nosebleed Section. Um, So it, it, it comes off with that just generic... Like uh, pop rap, like you were saying, I'm better than you, kind of stuff oh, going yeah. on. Like, so here's the first verse by Supper. <laughs> Break um, it down for us, Charlie. <laughs> this is for the heads that's loving the mix. My people in the front, all covered in spit. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, need to ask Australian reference or just? No, I think he means that he's rapping so hard that he's he's spitting. He's really uh, spitting. Right. You know, he's sure, spitting those yeah. bars. I've got the bars. Okay. Yeah. Okay, interesting, interesting imagery. Um, Bat is in the box, suffer the pitch, hilltop hoods, all up in this bitch. Oh, (laughs) 
I love this. And we the funk leaders, punks, you can't beat us. We bump and pump meters. We drunk, you chumps need us. Aww. So jump with us. Down the front, if it's your flavor, come get drunk with us. This life turned out nothing like I had planned. Why not? By now, I should have had some land. Some money in my hand, around about 50 grand. But I got nothing. All right, rhymes on the bus. I keep suffering. Fuck the lines of the dust. You keep sniffing. That shit's for punk hoes. This shit's for my bros, my people in the front row. Oh, uh, just just think of all that, but in an Australian accent, and it just it just um yeah, it's just it's just a lot. Um, <laughs> I I just I I just uh <laughs> I got half a bill in Monopoly money. <laughs> There's no stopping me, honey. So you can take my hand. We can lay on the beach and count grains of sand. Which um, is funny because um, that low-key reminds me of uh, Kendrick's uh, Beyonce where he, uh, where he says, uh, to Beyonce, we can build castles in the sand. Very, uh, very close um, in, in, uh, in, uh, in, in similarity. Uh, but yeah, um, I, don't, I feel it's really weird how I actually don't mind, again, beats at this point yeah. is okay still. The beats that, are still the okay. The beat for that track They're is still, fire. Yeah, they still got good beats going on, still decent production, right? Um, and again, lyrics uh, shot, you know, here, here and there. Um, but funny enough, I like the last track again. It's, it's just, uh, I don't mind the Sentinel. Um, I, I, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. Um, I didn't really, uh, I'm not, I didn't really read the lyrics that hard, so there might be something sus in there. I'm just uh, reading it right quick. But yeah, it, it, it seemed fine, right? The chorus was okay. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just interesting how the nosebleed section and this is a this is a through line I feel throughout uh, especially the more older uh, yeah more newer works more recent works is that um, when they get more pop rappy uh, the tracks that are popular I I I personally wonder how they are the popular ones and not some of the others even though the even though most of it is just you know, mid-tier, uh, <laughs> mid-tier hip-hop, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But it's just interesting how uh, some, just their, their hit records are low-key, just some of the worst. And it's really weird how that, how that happens. Like, obviously, how everybody knows, when it comes to singles, that's usually what the best they have to offer, right? But with these guys, it's just, uh, it's, it's really weird. I don't, I don't know how... I don't know whether it's um any anything lost in translation or whatever, but it's just it's just odd to me how some of the tracks that are hits and have you know the the tens of mil- the millions of listens uh are the ones that uh are kind of mid, and then there's a couple of decent ones, and some of them have maybe put cracking a million. It's just like okay, how does that work? But yeah, this um. It's okay. The album's okay. It's fine. Again, fine for the background. Um, I will say, I, I, why is he called Obese Records? Because <laughs> he's fat. Just a just just a random yeah. Because 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 the, the beats are fat. The beats are fat. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The beats the beats are fat. Fat yeah, with a ph. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the brand Fat Farm? Oh, yeah, of course. Let's bring that back. Let's bring that back. Um. Anyway, yeah. So yeah, it's it's okay. So it's it's. If you had this stuff in the back, if you had these albums in the background, I feel like it's passable. If you just don't look into it too hard and don't get jarred by the accents, then you're pretty much fine. 
in terms of listening to it. You're not going to write home, write home about it, but it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. It's the production, man. It's 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 the production. I mean, look, the nosebleed section. The production say is carried is doing a lot oh, of heavy lifting, which, oh. which is what we're basically saying. It's carried is carried a lot. I mean, the thing is, right, in Australia to blow up, you have to, if you're an independent artist, you have to be on Triple J. Triple J is like our, I don't know what you have in the UK, but like they're the national broadcaster, but it's like the youth music channel. And they have a mandate that they have to play a certain percentage of Australian music. So the way to commercial success for a young Australian act is through Triple J. You know, uh, Suffer defined Triple J picking this, this is when Triple J picked this track up. And he said that this is the start of their commercial success. And he said after this, they started getting festival gifts, show offers. Um, and it, it really highlights the problem in this era because the beat is obviously stunning. It's super catchy. I remember this song like it was yesterday. It was, it was absolutely everywhere when it dropped. But again, totally useless lyrical content. It's just nothing. Like, you know, Suffer explains the track via Triple J. He says anyone who's got a girlfriend knows about the Sunday drive. The Sunday drive comes about when you've been out with your mates all weekend and your girlfriend's like, we should spend some time together today, quality time, what do you want to do? So you say, all right, let's go see a movie or something. She doesn't want to do anything. And she says, let's go for a drive. And you're like, oh, fuck. So we go for a drive. Bless her. Bless her. That's a, that's a, that's, the, the, I, I, I don't know what else to say, ladies. I just don't like these guys. I just don't like them, man. This is at some point. At one point during this song, he just starts rapping technical terms about the production, like eight at eight track residual noise. Like it's just useless music. It, it's there's nothing. There's no value to it. And there's still so many bars about this record staying independent. You know, uh, suffer on the on the calling. Uh, the second verse on illusionary lines is still homophobia. In 2003, they're in the mid-20s by this stage. Precious second verse on Down for the Cause, which was super jarring because I actually just listened to it before I heard Speaking in Tongues from Drinking from the Sun, and I'll talk about that in a second. Um, this album was a heavy loss for Australian hip-hop in the 2000s. The nosebleed section blew up, and there's been so many instances of artists speaking out about how desperate independents are to get on Triple J. So they mold their sound to whatever is on Triple J in an attempt to get regular rotation. And what happened was the hoods showed you how to make a rap that gets played on Triple J and get you booked for festivals. So for the next decade, all the mainstream part of the genre would just be overrun by, you know, what a lot of people call bogan rappers. And I actually find it fucking hilarious that after what I just told you about their homophobia and what Charlie read about getting drunk and, you know, all this stuff, in 2014, they did an interview in the music denouncing the term bogan rappers. They said, and I, this might be lost in translation, but bogan rapper is like, bogan means, uh, what's the best way to put it? Like, uh, like crass, you know, like just drinking, getting in fights, you know, smoking weed, uh, not working. Like, it's a derogatory term. It's a derogatory term for people of low socioeconomic status. But I grew up sure. in Western Sydney, you know, I grew up amongst the bogans. I was a bogan, I'm, I'm part of that. And a lot of people take it as, you know, they, they reappropriate that term and wear it proudly. The Hilltop Hoods, everyone I've spoken to in real life are like, of course they're Bogan rappers. Like, that's their, that's their key fan base. That's their only fan base, the Bogans. They grew up off that. You know, they were, you know, in a small town in Adelaide. Like, the small suburb, this, that's their whole aesthetic. But in the music, they said... There is a big bogan factor attached to Australia, to hip hop in Australia, which I mean, we try and avoid as best as possible. Some people make that lad hip hop, and that's cool. 
they want to make that and they do it in good taste, good on them. Some of them do, some of them don't. But there's so many other types of hip-hop in Australia. Uh, hopefully, people are shifting away from the stereotype of bogan rap. I, I, I don't know what planet these guys live on. That's going to be the theme here. Just total lack of self-awareness and accountability. Like, it's insane to me. They're, they're the most bogan rappers I've ever heard in my entire life. Their whole aesthetic is bogan. Anyway, The Hard Road is their next one. Uh, this is the album that they blew up on. Uh, first ever homegrown Australian okay. hip-hop album to go number one on our album chart. They won Arias off this album. Uh, in the lead single it actually led them to touring twice in the same year um but like what's again aria, by the way for those don't know say sorry what's an aria uh, for those oh know? sorry aria is our grammy basically so suffer decided to choose you know the, the hard road the, the the title track is the biggest song of their career thus far this is how suffer decided to choose to start the biggest song of their their career so far Growing up, I needed a guide, like a blind veteran's dog. Like, what the fuck kind of imagery is that? What What are you talking about? Like, and then how are they not? Oh. They, they, then there's this verse on here about like, uh, look, I'm a, uh, I don't even. I just, I just get, I get perplexed. Like, there's a verse in here, right? And they, they're not they're allegedly not feeding into the bogan stereotype. And they, they, they rap, they rap, right? They had me in the back of a paddy, down to lock up, smack me, pat me down for a baggie. Mums would rock up and bail me out, a failure once again. Next weekend, bail me out, drunk again, and I'll never forgive myself for putting you through all that hell. I went from high school dropout to factory labourer. Slave to the clock until four, went from sleeping on the floor to being out on tour. Now, no stopping me, I'll finish with a bang like Kurt Cobain's biography. What? Why? Why have you done that? It's so unnecessary. I get so perplexed by these references to the deaths of celebrities. What do you... I just don't... I don't get it. It's not about suicide. It's just not... He's he's saying he's going to go out like a bang. Like, he's going to blow up. He's going to go... It's... Uh, anyway, I, I don't... I just can't do it, man. I there's, there's a song on here called What a Great Night, and the lyrics are just about getting blitzed and going to shows and getting drunk. And look, this is okay. That's the thing. It's okay. I grew up in Western Sydney. I, I was a bogan. You know, I understand this. There's nothing wrong. It's just the contradictions confuse me so much. And yeah, anyway, I mean, I will say some positive things that happened around this time. Um, in 2005, they created the Hilltop Hoods Initiative, which involved a $10,000 investment from the group to give to young South Australian hip-hop artists, uh, which gave them enough money to manufacture and distribute their CD. They did this again multiple times. Um, South Australia. Yeah, South Australia. <laughs> so, so all of Australia. <laughs> Fuck. Hey, relax, bro. You're I mean, this is this is literally the majority. There's of a West Australia. Is, there's South? a West Australia as well. You know, like. Right, okay, sure, sure. Southwest, southeast, alright. So I thought I thought that was a cool initiative, so shout out to them for that. And then we get we get the next album, State of the Art. <clears throat> yeah, um so apparently include so this is this is well this is what I was talking about when it comes to having songs that have millions of millions of listens and then other tracks where they just have lesser. How the hell do they have a 26 million uh, listen track on Spotify in Chase That Feeling, which I will talk about in a second. And also Still Standing, which had 19. And then have, right after that, classic example featuring, of all people, Pharaoh Monch. <laughs> and it hasn't even cracked 2 million. What that the was a left field one. Now, I have to question, 
what the fuck are you lot listening to over here? This is Australia. They don't even know who Pharaoh Monch is. Australians wouldn't know who Pharaoh Monch is. They have no idea, bro. Okay, Okay, so I feel like I should ask this question at the end, but I just have to just get out of the way. So is there just no, is there just no, like, general hip-hop knowledge past these lot, or? This is, this is, these are the pop, these are the pop fans. There's no hip-hop. So they know Eminem, Travis Scott, That's well, it. nowadays, nowadays, they probably wouldn't even know Travis anymore. They'd know Eminem, they'd know Kendrick Lamar, and Kanye West, and... More, more, than, more, than, more than enough. Okay, so my, po- my, my question is, is just like, so, you, so that's enough for me to like know what is good, what is the pinnacle. This for me is when it starts going downhill. This for me oh, is yeah. where I'm listening to it and I'm just like, I can't even listen to the production now because it just doesn't hit anymore in the background. There's no scratches. There's no, well, there is samples here, but like there's, but I mean, there's plenty of decent samples actually. Um, uh, 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 the game by Common on classic example. Uh, Tribe Called Quest on classic example. <laughs> the goated track that is Thin Line with the uh, Jurassic Five and Nelly Furtado on the the light you burned. Hate me now on the same track as well. So you know, uh, a lot on Hilltopper, horrible track, my god. Um, but yeah, you know they they still have samples, but it just doesn't hit anymore. It just didn't hit. It just it didn't hit as an album in terms of production. I was just like, now I can't even listen to it in the background. But let's talk about chase this, chase that feeling, which um I'm just I'm just really confused about as a as a track. Um, apparently their first top ten hit, uh, Aria top ten hit, uh, peak position of eight. Um, quadruple platinum, mm. uh, which is uh, which is crazy to think about. And I'm just I'm just reading these lyrics, and um, I guess it, I guess it comes off as like I, I think the point of it is trying to be like uh, I don't know, like a rewriting of their own legacy. I guess so. I mean, pressure in the first verse is kind of just talking about this. Uh, I, this woman that he's this girl that he's with, uh, she's young, lithe, lithe, lithe and homely, Lisa wise by life, no means, yeah. no known one guy. She's for his uh, for his eyes and lonely. He's a lying phony, leaves crying lonely. So yeah, kind of just simping. Uh, and then and then second verse. Sometimes I feel we strive for a life of ap- apathy, callous deeds, other mindless acts of greed. Ain't jack for free. I think they try and tax, try to try tax to breathe so you know I, I can fuck with that i can fuck with that messaging um except the fact that you're now a top 10 yep. you know yep. singles artist <laughs> so is this so i'm feet i'm starting to pick up what ben's putting down oh, yeah when it comes to the hypocrisy i'm just like so it's fine you guys are talking this, this this is why this is what Imagine if, like, this is an extreme example. It doesn't really compare. But, like, imagine if Rick Ross just started talking about that kind of shit. It's just like, you're Rick fucking Ross, bro. Yeah. You have a ton of fucking land. You are literally next to, like, Diddy and Jay-Z at this point in the flag bearers of black capitalism. And you're talking about this shit. I'm not saying that the Hilltop Hoods are just sitting in money or, well, sitting in money and just, like, you know, being that capitalist attitude. As you said, they did start a foundation. So, you know not the, not the most obvious um capitalists out there but i feel like that i feel like they're sitting pretty mm-hmm. um enough to not talk about this kind of shit um and then the third verse by suffer goes uh it's, it's like they're trying to build you up to watch it all collapse you're trying to climb out the pit they try and claw you back 
like back in the factory, packing the shelves. It was hell because the foreman was always harassing me. Like, how's your little old music thing going? Now I'm like, how bi- how's your bitter old loser shit going? <laughs> Fucking got him. <laughs> it's very, it's, I don't know, it's kind of childish. Like, how old do these guys by now? Like, it's, 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 yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of just, um, they'd be nearly 30 by yeah. now. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's very, um, it's very chip on the shoulder music, um, which um, you know I can fuck with in certain cases, but you know they can't. I've said this for I've said this for artists before, where I'm just like, you're fine now, bro. You don't need to rap like this anymore. You know what I mean? It's just it's just weird. Um, so yeah, that, that and like I said, that's a first top ten hit, twenty six mil on on Spotify, and it just makes me question uh, Australia as a country because I'm just like I'm I'm just, I'm just like you know that you know this can't be the best of the best, right? You you, you know this, right? Please tell me you know this, right? <laughs> I told you, man. We don't oh, have hey, we just oh, don't hey. have any. There's no there's no hip hop down here. You know, look. I mean, this is just pop rap. <sighs> this is pop rap. You know, after. This is this would class as like, this would class as just but no, no, no. UK hip hop. Hang on, hang it's, on, it's just... hang on. We said we would. I I promised you we wouldn't do this. I told you if we tried to look at Australian hip hop existentially via the hoods, we'd lose our <laughs> fucking minds. Because we can't. I, we just can't. Like I, I, I understand your. I understand your I just point. Have too many questions. I know. But this can't be the episode to do even, it. It's not even for the hoods themselves. It's just like, this is so... The whole thing is so generic yes. and just predictable. Yes. And I'm just like, surely you guys have more. <laughs> we do. That's the thing. We do. But this is, this is the most... It has to be something better than this. This is the most popular. I mean, this is... It's... Look, oh. chase that feeling. As Charlie is now starting to realise, it's just drivel. It's... it's, it's it, it just slowly dawns on me as, as I was listening today. I was just like, oh my gosh. You know what? You know what Suffer told MySpace about this song? He said, it's a typical... <laughs> typical... It's a typical hood sound. I think it's a nice song. It's just about having a good feeling and trying to latch onto that feeling, trying to keep that momentum. Mm. It's not about chasing the dragon. So in case maybe you were thinking that the song could be deep enough to transcend the meaning that the group give it, Suffer assures us it isn't. Suffer says it's not any deeper than it's just having a good time. It's just surface level. And, ah, look, man, you know, I think think 50 and 5, 50 and 5 was the most hilarious listen I've ever had in this year because... It seems to be recognition that their lyrical content thus far in their career has consisted of criticizing an industry that they would soon wholly submit to and rapping ad nauseum about how great they are using a variety of problematic tropes and throwaway bars because Suffer, who we can all agree is the weaker of the two MCs, apparently attempts to sum up the last 50 years of humanity's fuck-ups in just five minutes, an entirely useless endeavor. We get no commentary, no dissection, no analysis, just suffer listing off a bunch of random events. He told MySpace it took him three months to write. I have no idea how it took him three months to write this. All it is is just references, just single line bars. Like uh, there's no, you know, MLK, JFK, Reagan, Vietnam War, Saddam, Jodie Foster, 
nuclear weapons, Iran, 3G phones. Then he lists off a few serial killers. Then the Macarena, Superman, the Chicken Dance. This is this is this is a genuine section. I'm going to read it to you. This is I'm not cutting anything out of this. Internet, 3G cellular phones, serial killers built mini cells in their homes, and we had Manson, Bundy, Gacy, Son of Sam, Macarena, Superman, Chicken Dance, Running Man, Generation X, and Generation Y. Then he saying, he claims that a blowjob brought down the fall of a dynasty, referring to Monica Lewinsky. I, he doesn't elaborate. He doesn't elaborate on that. That's loaded. He doesn't elaborate on that. Then we get this. We get. We get Metallica, Kill 'Em All, Let God Scold 'Em All, The Guilford Four, Chicago Seven, Mumia, Mandela, Ocean's Eleven. He says Mandela, Ocean's Eleven. Like, what is he talking? It's like it's like it's like the it's like the intro to the Big Bang Theory, but just trying too hard. Math science history. <laughs> it's just a whole lot of hot it's air. Just shit. And look, <laughs> the the wor- I think the worst song. One of the worst songs in their entire discography is is the atrocious Chris Farley, which is in a track that about how each of them wants to to die in some sort of drug or alcohol fused haze. Uh, we get pressure inexplicably, inexplicably opening his his verse with, "I want to go it like Biggie and Puck. No gunfire. I'm talking rum and dry. Hit me with the shots." They're in their thirties by this point. They're in their 30s by this point. Then Suffer opens his verse saying he wants to die in Memphis like Elvis in a senseless on the toilet pissing on my own pelvis. And then, uh, look, I, I just... That's not even anatomically correct. <laughs> I don't, I, I just, you know, the, the fact that Pharaoh Monch is on this album is just, I, I have to assume he had no idea what he was getting himself into. It's just, I don't understand, bro. And then... Drink from the sun, which I guess is my one, because I think that was your one. Yeah. Um, look, I want to speak about speaking in tongues of this record, and again, this is more hypocrisy. I mentioned it earlier, but basically, the song is about accepting everyone—gay, straight, man, woman, all races, all religions. Of course, this is heavily at odds with their past content, and sadly, there's no revelation on this record. Okay, there's no accountability for their previous bars. Not, bro. There's. <laughs> It's like, hey, we're homophobic. Hey, now we're not homophobic. Like, but they don't, but you know what? They don't say we're not homophobic anymore. They say we're not homophobic at all. They they actually say we accept all. You know, you should too. And what's even crazier is... Hip-hop bullshit, mate. Hip-hop bullshit. They decided to make it the second single and the theme of their tour. When they performed at Splendor in 2014, they said the Hilltop Hoods do not give a fuck what sex you are. The Hilltop Hoods do not give a fuck what sexuality are. You wear one people under the music, but uh, um, bro, they, I just um, I don't want to talk any more about that album. Let's talk about Walking um, Under the Stars and then their final album. One, 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 oh god, okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, one, one, just uh, just uh, I have to talk about like the album artwork a bit because like it has a has like a I I just don't know where like it just goes places randomly. I just uh, I just I just don't really get the albums uh cut artworks so like just, even this one it's like a skeletal dude with some with some swords and then the moonlight I I don't know anyway um so this this is uh, stuff like the track uh the the first part four right was just one of those things where I was just like 
okay, I was listening to it, and it and it you know it came it comes off deep, right? It's it's got this um, you know it's it's got this uh nice uh hook by Aradna, um I I'm assuming that's how I say it, mm, and sure. then pressure comes through with this you know just simple verse, um you know some with some reasonably deep shit, right? We're still here, ain't leaving, built here, ain't leaving. March till the sun was down, felt this landscape breathing, the bloodline came between them. Uh, I don't know if I'm chasing dreams or escaping demons. I was a sign when you're loaded on the road all the time. Woke up to find I was at home and didn't know it was mine. Sobered up fine, took it slower, know what's blowing my mind. Had a baby boy to focus on my devotion and time. Now my hand's tired, man, this life don't get easier. My nan died, older son got leukemia. World spinning like poltergeist, trying to take my own advice and transfer this anguish to my only vice. That's only half of it, but it just you know there's some depth there, right? And I'm mm-hmm. I'm respecting it. I'm just like, oh, you know what? Even though I feel like the production has just gone so far down the pop top, pop rap route, I just don't care anymore. Mm-hmm. There's just no saving it. Um, that's gone. Like the the you can't play this in the background anymore. You can't. The, we're long gone from that. We're years away from that now. But I was listening to that first track, and I was like, okay, all right, respect, respect on that. I I, I fuck with that. but then they but then they just went ahead and with and i said i'll send this to ben i don't know if he heard the voice message i haven't got to that um, yet with um with with me just shouting cosby sweater um and i was just like (laughs) and i was like 87 million listens um if, if if the if the top five has anything to go by it's their third most listened on spotify right and Again, first track was kind of deep. I respect it, right? I, I respect the I respect the introspection, okay? But you can't give me that and then two tracks down the line give me Cosby sweater. Wearing that Cosby sweater. Uh uh wait, wait. get you hype from the groove on account of the bounce and looking like Tom Cruise up and down on a couch. When was that? When when was Tom Cruise oh. jumping on Oprah's couch? That was definitely before HD days. Like that is such a dated ass reference to put to put on a fucking track. Well, I think in 2014. I think the whole thing. Yeah, but that was like 08. So like, no, it was 2000. <sighs> it was know, 2011. Bro. It was 2011. I think. That is never oh, no, that However, like Christina Aguilera, just let yourself go. Yeah, that was a terrible bar. Let's, let's like. Let's stop this. Bro, they, they, stop, they, they literally the just did the speak in tongues thing where they're like, we accept everyone. And then they're making fun of Christina Aguilera's weight gain. Like, give me a fucking break. Like, seriously. Like, you can't. Just, just as Charlie says, put your fucking dick in it. Put the whole thing in. You're either, you're either just fucking, just the, the, the just lowest. Give me a catchphrase. Bro, Charlie's, this is one of my favorite things that Charlie ever said on the podcast when we were talking about that <laughs> Roots Maneuver in, uh, review. But look, if you're going to do that, if you're going to just be the Bogans, be the, like, the worst, the lowest tier, just fucking do it. Don't try and clean it up. Don't try and say, oh, we accept everyone. And then the same fucking album or the next album, you don't accept everyone. I just, I don't, it fucking infuriates me. Like, I I listen to a lot of hip-hop where there's, like, problematic content. But they don't go and try and clean it up in interviews and say, we accept everyone. They don't do that. The, The reason the hoods do that is because they're fucking pop rappers. 
And that's the problem. They've got one foot in both camps their whole career. They've tried to be underground legends, and at the same time, they've tried to make millions of dollars by making commercial trash pop rap. Like, it's, there's no, there's not, anyway, sorry. I can't, I just, I just can't do it. Go off, King. Go off, King. <laughs> I just can't do it. Here comes Suffer in verse two. Oh, God. Glory. Absolutely. Still on Cosby Sweater, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. If you, if you, if you got lost in Ben's diatribe, still on Cosby Sweater. I'm a step up every chance when I rumble. They call me the ch- champ of the jungle. It's fitting. I'm going to get drunk and dance like your uncle. <laughs> God. Jesus yes. Christ. Yes. yes. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. We're back with the drug reps. Oh, see, it's so <laughs> stupidly bogan. So I'm all hands like your uncle. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Till I'm. I'm gonna repeat these. I'm repeat these two two lines right quick. I'm gonna get drunk and dance like your uncle. Till I'm all hands like your uncle. Oh God. Comma. I'm kidding. Oh no, that's Eminem level, isn't it? That's like. Get it. Get it. Oh, do you get it? Do you get it yet? Round of Are you smart enough to get it? (laughs) I don't know what I'm dying more of. These lyrics or Ben's just like fucking face face palming every every opportunity. It's terrible, man. I still got to go. I still got to go. If this is if if we go all podcast, just this, I'm I'm here for it. Right. We're gonna finish this verse. Me and you guys, we're gonna do it. Hold, hold my hand. The venomous inventor. When I enter, then it's over. When I'm spitting venom, I'm as generous as Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> you get venom. You get venom. <laughs> Fucking yes, boss. Yes, love it. You get a scar. You get a scar. You get a scar. <laughs> oh, the cringe! It makes your blood run cold. Me, drunk in the back of a rental car. Back with the Pat Benatar, bruh, loves a battlefield. How do we get here? Don't know where. Uh, here to get you out of your seat like a battle drill. I'm I'm in the saddle still. A little saddle sore. Smash you out the stratosphere. Flashy as a matador. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Fucking bars. I fucking love this. When I'm dressed like Theo's dad, I'm in a coogee listening to Cool G rap. I Oh, oh this is the best line. I won't beat around the bush like a 70s porn. Oh, yes. Fucking yes. Nothing better than someone saying porn in that fashion, in that context. Oh my gosh. I'm crying. I'm absolutely crying. A 70s porn. I'll make you wish that you'd never been born. <laughs> and it's all good. Glorious. It's just, just so absolute. 98 million listens, ladies and gentlemen. 98. Uh, 87, sorry. 87. Regardless, I fucked a f- 80, 80 million than than it fucking should. Like, let's just say that. Like, this is absolutely outstanding. Um, I, I don't know what to say about the rest. Of the <laughs> what did he say? Is 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 it's not. It's just it's it's pop rap, rap. Like, it's it's, it's nothing else. Like, I can't really say anything else to it. Um, they do have Brother Ali and Maverick Saber on here as well. Um, how they got that, I do not know. Uh, you know, shout out to Brother Ali. Um, I feel like that's worthy retrospective one day because I actually haven't spun any Brother Ali. Um, but that'll be an interesting uh, retrospective. But yeah, just <laughs> the, the features do not help here. Rumble, young man, rumble is just 
oh, just just not good music. Just overall, just not good music. Like just the it's so poppy. It jars me. It just doesn't. Uh, uh, we arrive in the night. We come alive in the night. It's just, oh, God damn it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Um, but yeah, I, I just I just don't know what else to. I just don't know what else to do other than just reference lyrics. To be honest, because it's just is this is this all this worthy at this point? He got me so mad. I I'll jump through the buckle. I'll hurt him so bad. Cut the bone through the knuckle. I don't give a fuck if I can't see. Cut my eye. Lids wide open like the wings of a butterfly. Fuck. Boys. Oh, get 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 Funkmaster Flex on here, man. Just uh, absolutely glorious. All right, I'm done. I'm just gonna do that because sake of time. But you you guys get it. <sighs> glorious, absolutely glorious. I think um, I'll I'll talk about Cosby Sweater because you know it's a weird mash. It's a weird mashup. They they claim it's mainly related to the Coogee Sweater, but it's Bill Cosby. Like they were talking about the sweaters that Bill Cosby was wearing on The Cosby Show. Now, to be... Well, I'm not going to try and be fair to them, but it wasn't really until Hannibal Burris's comedy show on October 16, where they went in on Bill Cosby during the stand-up routine, uh, which was about two months after the album dropped, that Cosby's cases all of a sudden became widespread. But again, it does show a lack of anything other than surface level from the Hilltop Hoods, because... Since June 2006, where the Philadelphia Magazine published an article graphically detailing some of the allegations, that was eight years prior to the album dropping, by the time the album had dropped, 13 13 women had already come forward alleging Cosby had done something illegal to them in some way. So still in 2014, they decided, you know what, we're still going to name this song Cosby Sweater, even though we did the Speak in Tongues tour where everyone is equal. But we're not, 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 uh, anyway. So the Hoods distance themselves somewhat from Bill Cosby uh, after those allegations come out. But even still, right, after 19 more women came forward in the second half of 2014, they persisted with the Cosby sweater tour across Australia from October to December. And the single didn't even drop till October 26th which was 10 days after the Hannibal Burris show, which launched the new wave of allegations. So please make it make sense to me. Okay, we all knew in 2014 after that show, that was when the whole thing came out. That was when everyone knew what was going on at the, you know, the, the towards the tail end of 2014. While all that stuff was coming out, the hoods were touring the Cosby sweater tour. Uh, anyway, they make obviously make fun of, Christina Aguilar's weight gain in here as well. It's just, you know, <coughs> I can't. There's no reason, bro. There's no reason. It's terrible. And then the, the final album is The Great Expanse. And this is one of the worst pieces of music I've ever heard in my life. Um, no, seriously. Seriously, I'm not saying that. Look, the, the previous records, as Charlie said, the production is getting worse as they progress. It's getting more pop-rappy. Um, but there are still occasional listenable songs on each of these albums. And if we go back to like, I don't know, the hard road, this is, production is good, state of the art, the production is decent on there. But on the Great Expanse, it is entirely unlistable. There's absolutely nothing around it. You know, I don't know any rap that I've come across more of a contradiction than the Hilltop Hoods because even artists who, you know, you might point to Eminem and say that a lot of his current content is about being rich, where his previous content was about being poor. But 
Eminem didn't like wear his. Eminem didn't say he was going to be underground forever and, and fuck all major labels and I'm never ever going to... Major labels have ruined the game and it's not fair. Eminem was like, if I had a million dollars. He rapped about it. He wished he was more successful. He wished he wasn't going through what he was going through. The Hoods always rapped about how... Uh, the industry had completely ruined the culture and ruined hip-hop and they were, you know, taking the soul out of the game. Then they released The Great Expanse. You know, this is terrible. This is so bad. It's the blandest pop rap you could imagine. This is Jack Harlow level, except the production and the guests are worse. There's no value to this album. They literally became every single thing they railed against. It's so unlistenable. And I don't even say that for many albums. Like, I think The Big Day... That Jack Harlow album, I can't think of too many others from major rappers that I would say I never, ever want to hear again for the rest of my life. And I wrote this entire podcast right before I listened to this record. And I wasn't going to listen to it uh, because as a, you know, Charlie and I got our wires crossed, but I ended up listening to all the, the Hoods albums. I just wanted to get my head around it. And as I was writing, as I was writing before I listened to this album, I felt like I was being quite harsh on them because I'd never tapped into them before. Um, I had never, I've always felt this way. Like every time I've heard their songs on the radio or heard people talk about them, I've had this feeling in me like that. Yeah, I've no interest in that. That's not for me. It's got nothing to do with me. I, I, I don't ever want to listen to that. And I wanted to focus more on the music than the story because the story is pretty bland. It's, it's pretty generic. You know, they toured, they became, they got on Triple J, they became famous. There's, there's not really anything there. So as I was writing and listening and reading lyrics, um, you know, I, I started to feel like a bit of a dick for everything I was saying. Like, I felt like I'd already made a judgment about them before I even came into this episode, and it was kind of manifesting itself. Like, I was railroaded by my own bias. But then I spun this album on Friday night after I'd listened to the DJ Khaled album, and this album made me throw up in my mouth. Oh, what's a duo? I know, but it, that's the perfect duo because DJ Khaled's going to make a pop rap album. This album, The Great Expanse, made me I, I all of a sudden I did not feel bad at all I didn't feel bad in the slightest about this episode and I decided to read it out as I wrote it as harsh as I could um you know look I'm I wish them all the luck in the world uh but you know I'm sure a lot of people like them but I've hopefully explained in this episode why they're really not a good act for me anyway I I do not like them at all uh, and, I, you know, I didn't want to just come in here and say, I just don't like these guys. I just don't like them. I, I was curious. I was really curious. I was like, do, why don't I like them? Like, what, what's my problem with them? And it was, it's fascinating because, you know, as Charlie said, like the singles, it's kind of inexplicable how those songs have the most like plays because they're the worst of their songs. But as I was listening to more of their music and listening and diving into the lyrics, it's just all the same. It's just completely devoid of any kind of content. Occasionally, they'll get into a little pocket of personal stuff, you know, some some sort of turmoil they're going through in their personal life, or some sort of storytelling that sounds is semi decent. You know, there was some stuff on like health issues, but again, this is like 0.1% of their discography. It's it's very rare that they actually do that, and the rest of their discography is just just pointless. It's the world would be no different if the Hilltop Hoods did not exist for me anyway. Well, uh, it's like that. It's like that meme with the two astronauts, and one of them is holding a gun behind the other, and basically that's just me in the front going like, "Wait, it's all bad." <laughs> and Ben just and Ben's in the back with the gun, saying, "Always was." 
Outstanding performance, Ben. Absolutely applaud it. Um, in the Pantheon, al- along with my uh, 10 minute rant about the end. Um, <laughs> and uh, one of the. one. Uh, Cosby Spell being probably one of the best uh, lyric readouts um, of this uh, of this year's show. Um, put that in the pan. Put the, put those both in the Hall of Fame. Um, absolutely amazing episode. Mm. And that said, we shall leave it there because I have completely nothing else apart from just uh, this is a bad look on America on Australian music taste. I'm sorry, bad look, bad look, bad look, bad look. Uh, but apart from that. <laughs> <laughs> to a light note, if you have any. Yeah, so I'm going to the uh, Hilltop Hoods uh, next Saturday. I'm going to their show. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, can't write Bro, that's not even... I totally forgot I'm not even joking with you guys. I'm not joking. that was the reason why you wanted to do it as well. That's hilarious. I'm not even joking with you guys. I've been offered a ticket and... Please do it. AB Original, <laughs> AB Original is opening up because AB Original signed to their label and I freaking love AB Original and I am going to the show. So... <laughs> That was the whole point of doing this episode. You're just going to be... How many people do you think would be there? What's the capacity? Bro, it's a fucking arena. There's going to be probably maybe 15 to 20k there. Is that it? Well, I mean, that's in Australia. Like, that's pretty massive. You know, like, I I would say that only the the acts in stadiums that we're seeing are like uh, Eminem, Kendrick, uh, Travis would probably play a stadium... I would say pretty much everyone else would be playing, you know, twenty k arenas. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll report I back. I just can't. I just can't. I, yeah, I just can't wait for you to just like. I'm gonna be so. I'm gonna get blind. I'm gonna have get... everyone around you fist pumping the Cosby Show. Well. Like, oh dear, I oh dear. Wait. I mean, I am I thinking I will listen to if AB. You, if you can record that moment, please. That'd be I don't think I'll make it that far, to be honest. I think I'll probably be listening to AB Original and then dipping really quickly. You're just gonna be. You're gonna be at. You're gonna be at the front because obviously nobody's like barely anybody's there for the supporting acts, and then you're gonna be all the way in the back. I'm gonna be the one person making my way back as the support as the main actor yeah. comes on. Like, yeah. I can't find my friends, yeah. guys. Sorry, I need to. They need to go backwards. Like, oh gosh, oh gosh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Play play that card. Oh, yeah, that's a, that's that. I mean, that nobody old... cares about finding your friends when you're going backwards, brother. <laughs> That old chestnut. Nobody cares if it's sideways or forwards. Yeah, then people are like, "Nah, you're you're, you're capping." But yeah, no, nah. nobody <laughs> will care. I've just go. Yep, excuse me, excuse me. I just need to dip. They'll be fine. They'll be like, "Oh, good one, one step closer to them." Maybe you just need to like go. Look, I listen to normal hip hop guys, so I'm just gonna dip now. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> "Oh, outstanding! Cannot fucking wait." Meanwhile, um, like I said, I went to see Apollo Brown, Sky Zoo. Yeah, how was that? It was good. It was good. Um, I feel like I was probably a little bit um, out of water in terms of just like my uh, uh, in terms of my listening habits. You know, I've only listened to like a couple of projects from them, from them all as a whole. You know, I haven't listened to every single Sky Zoo or Apollo Brown or whatever project. So, you know, it was kind of just um, when when some like, you know, drunk white, a couple of drunk white dudes are like fucking fucking singing Guilty Simpson lyrics like word for word behind me. I'm just like, mm, okay, I'm probably a bit behind on this. Mm. Um, but yeah, apart from that, apart from that self-conscious attitude that I had, you know, I got some pretty decent photos. Um, Skyzy being the best set. Um, I'm literally, I was literally writing out today, um, so I might uh, might drop that on Tuesday. Who knows? Uh, as this episode drops, some uh, 
but I'm also went to a, a local uh, spot in Camden uh, for like a little uh, to do an interview um, and also uh, look at a show that um, my interview was going to be in uh, with the uh, five, five, five other, um, you know, kind of just up and coming R&B artists um, who had different vibes, different uh different uh, elements towards them so and it was very it was in a very intimate space in the uh, selena camden uh literally just it's basically like a hotel with a bar but downstairs it's just this really nice intimate space really nicely lit um got some really good photos i'm literally just um i'm like halfway through writing that piece out now um so yeah man some good stuff um hitting notting hill so as soon as this episode drops i will be recovering from <laughs> From Notting Hill Carnival, uh, so that'll be fun. It's going to be the first time I'm, I'm I've ever been. Um, uh, so yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Can't wait. I'm going to be linking up with uh, Jashima as well. Oh, so cool. watch out for Jashima. Um, and uh, yeah, and a couple others. Um, hopefully, going to I don't know, bump into some people. Who knows? <laughs> there's always some. There's always some uh, noble people going in it. So uh, yeah, man, it's going to be it's going to be fun. Um, hopefully not. I don't even know what to wear, honestly. Like I'm literally, as soon as I get off this, I'm just gonna be like trying to sort out a fit because I don't want my, I don't wanna, I don't want my shoes to be like, you know, my, I don't wanna wear like good crepes because they'll probably be stepped on. Um, so there's that, and then I have to kind of just make a fit around that. So yeah, it is what it is. But um, yeah, get my shit sorted. Um, but yeah, it's really busy actually. I'm also seeing uh, Denzel Curry on mm, Wednesday. It's gonna be lit. Um. That's gonna be that's gonna be cool. Uh, hopefully, get an album signed in as well. Get a little show as well from uh, uh, Rough Trade East uh, out in Shoreditch, or so or Soho Shoreditch, Brick Lane, Brick Lane. It's in Brick Lane. Uh, but yeah, that's gonna be fun. And uh, yeah, that's gonna be my. In- uh, September's just gonna be dead for me after that because I've literally just been. This is gonna be like the fifth time I've gone to London in like a space of f- three, four weeks. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> your boy needs to save, <laughs> save the pee. So mm. yeah, I'm gonna be doing fuck all in September. Um, so yeah, that's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fun last week, and uh, and back to kind of just sitting in my chair doing shit. So um, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun, of course. But yeah, man. Solid, solid uh, week or so. Um, this, this week's gone very long, uh, which is, I guess, a good thing in terms of that. Um, time flies when you're having fun, mm-hmm. but sometimes it doesn't. So who knows? Um, but yeah, really good stuff. Um, writing's going well. Photography's going well. I can't complain. It's good. good. Um, Chelsea won. So there you go. That's, yeah, that's, they that's did. Ten men, but they, they managed. Another, another tick in the box. Another tick in the box. Uh, shout to Raheem. And yeah, uh, with that said, which I'll leave it there, uh, ladies and gentlemen. On the Fifth End Podcast Network, this has been a Hall of Fame edition of Digging the Digits. Hope you enjoyed this episode. I've enjoyed the Fifth End. I've been Ben Carter of Hip Hop Numbers. We hope you all have a good week. Wish I was trying to do the same. But until next time, take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Ah, right, peace. Digging in Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for this show is a piece of video games by bonus points thanks to Chalk Music for the ability to use. Socials for the fifth element, hip hop by numbers, bonus points and Chalk Music will be in the full show notes as well as names of projects reviewed wherever you're listening. This has been a fifth element podcast over production. Thanks for spending time with us and we shall see you next time on Digging in the Digits. <laughs>